It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatic, football guru, player prop specialist. We got Chris Dell in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. Money Picks Pod, week 18. Uh, for those of you guys who have been following our podcast all year, you've noticed uh, the last couple of weeks we've been off here doing this podcast, and a lot of that has come down to uh, a lot of schedules, holiday stuff going on, COVID. Um, I, I, Chris, you didn't get COVID, or did you get COVID? I don't think I got it, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Can't say for sure, but I'm, I'm good over here. All right, well, you didn't get it. I know I know a couple of the guys within pregame and, and the betting predators actually had it. Um, and, I mean, it's it's taken over all the, the sports leagues, so – you know, it's been hard, and it's like, how are we going to do a podcast on Thursday or Friday night when we don't even know who's playing until Sunday? So instead of putting out, you know, bad information, and look, I said it on a podcast a couple of times with myself and Uncle Dave uh, over the last couple of weeks that I was basically waiting until Sunday to go ahead and, and you know, rifle rifle the wagers in that that I felt that had value. A lot of it was just based, you know, with, with COVID. But, you know, this is an interesting week, week 18. It uh, brings a, a, a lot of money. Like a lot of people are chasing. Um, they, they're thinking like, oh, you know, it's it's the last regular season uh, games of the year. So let me hurry up and, and get all my money in the pot in the middle. And look, there's a couple of things that I think that you have to take into consideration. Um, I'll talk about the game stuff more um, than anything with this particular area. And I'll let Chris talk about, you know, the player props and the things that he's looking at. And then I'll talk about the things that I'm looking at for the game. So Chris, like this is a money picks pod. We talk about player props. We also talk about games and fantasy, Uh, obviously fantasy football. It's all over and done with. Uh, I don't know how you did Chris, but I ended up losing in the playoffs because of Kelsey. Kelsey went off that Thursday night game. I think it was had almost like 50 points. It absolutely killed me. Uh, So I, I lost, but I had a good season overall, but we're not going to talk fantasy now, but right now it's, it's, you know, it's prop time. It's game stuff. So Chris, like, when you're looking at these player props, there has to be key things because now there's key things that we could actually focus on. And what are those exactly? Yeah, so for me, week 18 is my favorite week of the entire year to bet props. I would say the only other week that I've been more profitable betting is during the NFL draft with draft props. Uh, so Steve and I collaborated on that last year. We did really well. We hope to do even more for our subscribers and just to put out some free content this year around the NFL draft. But Week 18 specifically for me, again, even for DFS, I, I had my most profitable week of the year by far in 2020 playing DFS. And I highly recommend those who are following our cheat sheet. You can get that for free. Just go to my Twitter handle or go to our website at bettingpredators.com. We're putting out a free preview of our cheat sheet doc, which is basically a research doc that's like 35 plus pages long, goes game by game, breaking down everything from PFF grades uh, DVOA rankings, individual player notes, usage notes for each player and each team, et cetera. So a ton of, of information to unpack that's very valuable. But to me, this is the most valuable week to read it because we created a couple of special sections at the top and it's all about motivation and it's all about incentives. And we break down team by team, you know, which are the teams that are going to be playing all out to win no matter what. And fortunately for us on this slate, you know, we have a six, 16 games, 14-game slate on Sunday specifically uh, with no Monday Night Football and two Saturday games. 
And all but three teams are going to be pretty much all out to win. We have question marks around the Bucks and the Cowboys. Uh, those two teams still can get the number two seed in the NFC, although we're still a little bit unsure if their starter is going to be playing the full game for Tampa Bay and for Dallas. So we've got those two teams coded in yellow kind of as a caution flag. Uh, but in terms of everyone else, the only teams that we kind of know aren't going to be playing their starters for a full game are the Bengals, Packers, and Eagles, although we still could see some of those players play for parts of the game. Um, having said all that, you know there are a few individual players that have specific incentives and milestones to reach in order to receive some pretty decent bonuses in their salaries and their contracts for this season. Like Let's, let's just bring up one example uh, right now, and this kind of goes into a lot of the stuff we talked about uh, before we started recording this podcast here, Sleepy is Stefan Diggs. He needs six catches for a $1.5 million bonus in his contract. Now that that's a pretty damn big bonus compared to the other guys we're going to talk about here in the podcast. Like Gronkowski's got a couple 500 K bonuses. He could reach AJ green's got a couple 250 K ones. Even Rex Burkhead needs 103 yards for $125,000 bonus. Right? So for Diggs, for example, the props, the prop line came out on Diggs, I believe today, uh, at six and a half catches, you could get at plus money at plus 115. And this is a game where you look at first, do the Bills need to win? Will they play their starters a full go? And the answer the answer for that question is yes. Then the second is, you know, does Diggs have the individual motivation that's past the team motivation? The answer for that is yes. Six catches, 1.5 million. The last time the Bills played the Jets, I believe he had eight catches for about 160-something yards on 13 targets. And we've seen Diggs rack up double-digit catches and targets in a lot of the games he's played for the Bills over the last two seasons. Now, okay, now now you look at the prop line, six and a half. Well, that's set pretty appropriately, if you ask me, because he could still get the six catches, get his bonus, and go under the prop. Uh, In this case, I'm going to tread a little bit cautiously here. I'll probably play a half unit on over six and a half uh, and not a full unit because of that reason alone. Although I think the chances are pretty slim of him landing on exactly six catches and going under uh, on just that specific number alone. So that's one example where you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper into the weeds in terms of like how much motivation does the team have? How much motivation does the player have? What's the number he needs to reach and how likely it is he gets there. Now, obviously with Diggs, he has a great matchup on paper against the Jets um, where he could easily get 10 plus catches in this game with the Bills needing to win. So um, that's an example of a lot of the individual player incentives. And then milestones, like not to get too far into it before we start handicapping some stuff, but there's quite a few guys that have chances to break records. And I'm sure most of you listening to this know about most, if not all these already. Kyle Pitts needs 59 yards to break the rookie tight end single season record. Uh, a couple more long shot milestones are Mark Andrews, He needs 141 yards to break the tight end single season record. We all know about Cooper Cup, 12 catches and 136 yards, breaks both single season records for those. He also needs 171 yards for 2,000 on the season. Uh, So we've got a long list of those on our player props, betting cheat sheet for week 18. And we're we're not betting, we're not just blind betting all these, you know, but we're we're making ourselves aware of all these so we can know which ones to kind of pickpocket and attack the strongest. And a couple of those we'll get in, we'll get into more as we break down some of these games sleep, sleepy, but not to go on a tangent there, but that's kind of the intro to this podcast. Like this isn't the typical, just, 
hey, what's the usage? What's the matchup? You know, what numbers are we going to attack? Uh, week 18 has a very specific strategy, and, and I'm sure you can elaborate a little more on how we're going about looking on, about which, you know, say we have a list of 30 players that can break milestones or records, you know, which five or 10 of those do we attack and which ones do we ignore? So that, that, that's kind of the thesis and strategy here for week 18 prop betting. Yeah, and I think with the games, Chris, is, you know, we have to take into consideration, you know, what teams are playing for what? You know, are they playing for seeding? Are they playing for uh, a first-round buy? Are they playing for home games? Are they playing for a draft pick? You know, are they playing for the coach's job? Are they, you know, or let's just say key key quarterbacks? Uh, maybe we'll use like a Baker Mayfield example. You know, was he playing for, you know, a roster spot next year on the Browns again? You know, we don't know. Um as far as the prop thing, and I think you hit this on the head last year, and I, I don't know what the prop was. I think it was Christian McCaffrey rushing and receiving yards, and if it wasn't last year, what it might have been the year before. But somebody had mentioned they were like, look, he needs, let's just say it was 115 all-purpose yards to break the record, and it was like if he gets 115 or 116, don't be shocked if he just gets pulled right out of the game. And look, I'm not even 100% sure. It might not even be McCaffrey. But whoever we had talked about on one of the podcasts, sure hell enough, that's exactly what happened. As soon as the record was broke by one yard, the guy came out of the game. Now, there were players, bettors, that were betting, let's just say it was 112 and a half. And at 112, that was the record that he broke. He needed like 111. They pulled him out at 112, and all these people got beat. So... Chris, you know, he, he's going to tell you, like, look, when, when we're going through these props, like, you know, like, look, this guy needs six and a half. We're not betting this particular player, um, even if it's if it, if it's a half over or one over or, you know, three or four yards over. So you got to be careful with that when you're betting, especially these, especially with these teams that have very little to play for. Um, maybe their star guys going out and he needs, you know, 50 yards for this specific incentive. And as soon as he gets 50, he's out. But you're noticing on the books that they have them, you know, listed at, at 55 and a half. Well, you know, you're you're playing with fire, and Chris will tell you that we've seen it time and time again, and we're going to see it again this week. So, you know, we'll try to get you guys to avoid those and and to make the smart bets. As far as the games are concerned, look, I, I think we have to consider that the teams that have to win, they're going to be taxed. And the books know this. Like they're like, look, everybody's going to go, and they're going to they're going to jump on the Colts, and they're going to jump on this team, and they're going to jump on the Chargers, and this one and that one. And there there there's a big tax, and and I never really sat down and figured out like what the true line should be versus what the line that the books are putting out. Maybe it's fourteen, and they have a boosted up, you know, two and a half extra points. So you are paying a tax, and this is like one of the weeks where I don't like betting on you know the must win teams. Um, because I know that there's a heavy tax involved. I think this is actually a pretty decent week to tease, so we'll get into that. But, Chris, let's jump into some of these games here. And, look, there's a couple games on here that, that don't really mean a whole lot, so we could breeze through these. But, you know, for the games that will have some type of impact, you know, playoff type of scenario, we'll go ahead and we'll touch on those. Let's start out with uh, why don't we do the Saturday games first. We got the Chiefs and the Broncos. Chiefs are going to be minus 11. We have a, a total here of 45. The Broncos are out of the playoff chase. We know that. Kansas City, they need to go ahead and win here. Uh, if they do win, they'll take the number two seed. I think the important factor that we need to know here is that the Broncos, they're going to be without three of their starters in the secondary. Jackson will be out. Darby will be out. And Sertan, they're all going to be out. Now, does that mean a big day for Mahomes? I kind of think that it does. So 
Um, you know, the Chiefs are going to be down the running back in, in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So perhaps a little bit more emphasis here on the Chiefs passing attack. You know, and with all that said, that kind of leads me to one of the guys that I think the Chiefs have kind of targeted over the last couple of weeks, and that's Byron Pringle. I think he had three catches, six catches, three catches. Now you could play him over 29 and a half receiving yards, and I like that. And I like that for this reason. One, the defensive backs for Denver are out. But Kansas City needs to find that extra guy, like that next threat to take off the pressure off of Hill and off of Kelsey. And from what I'm seeing with Kansas City right now, like, look, this team has it rolling. I think Mahomes has a big day, and I think that they can get one more guy in the mix. It makes that team so much harder to defend. So I think they look to get Pringle in the mix here this particular week. 29 and a half receiving yards, I think that's perfectly doable. If you look at his yardage over, the over, I guess you could say, the entire year, you know, he's been in and around that area uh, quite a bit. But I think they go to him here a little bit extra in this particular game. And with those secondary guys out for Denver, I like that play, Chris. Pringle over his 29.5 receiving yards. What do you think about for that game? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the injuries for Denver because they have been a pretty tough secondary throughout the year, maybe slightly above average, you could say, but not one you want to pick on. But in this game specifically, um, I haven't made official bets in this game, Sleepy, because we don't have any of those milestones that we talked about yet. We're going to dive into a lot more of those as the podcast goes on. But in this game, I want to target mostly Patrick Mahomes because of what you said about Denver secondary. Also because Mahomes here, the Chiefs are allowed to win. That, that, that's the top section we have at the top of our research doc is the Kansas City Chiefs. They must win to clinch the number two seed. And, you know, you obviously don't get the bye with the number two seed this year, but you do get multiple home playoff games if you if if you happen to advance that far into the playoffs. So KC here, obviously they have a Super Bowl in their mind. That's very important to them. I mean, hell, they even have a chance at the number one seed if they win and the Titans happen to lose to the Texans in week 18. So having said all that, we we know KC here is all out to win on the road. A pretty decent implied team total here as well. Um, here's one note that I took away diving into the usage numbers. And anytime I see a player's uh, stat, increase in consecutive weeks I like to make note of it or, or decrease in consecutive weeks and what I what I've liked about Mahomes he's been airing it out a little bit more uh, his average death of target is a dot has, has increased in multiple weeks now to 9.3 and we've seen that with Tyreek Hill he struggled a little bit as of late in terms of his box score production this is the perfect game for those guys to get right especially with the in, the cluster injuries on Denver's defense here if you look at Mahomes's longest completion prop you can get that right now at 35 and a half. I like that. I like that prop here for this game. Uh, Mahomes has a long completion of 44 plus yards in four straight games. He has a, com- a long completion of 37 plus yards in seven straight games here. So I like where the matchup is leading us here. If you look at the metrics in our cheat sheet here, we break down different DVOA metrics, etc. cetera. Uh, Denver is bottom 10 in the league in DVOA against the deep pass. So I like that the fact that Denver's also number 20 in terms of their pass defense, combining their PFF coverage grade with their DVOA pass defense grade. So all the metrics are pointing here to upgrading KC's wide receivers and upgrading Mahomes, and especially Mahomes looking to connect deep with his with his receivers. And you look at a guy like Pringle, a guy like Hardman, a guy like Tyreek Hill. These are all guys that can catch a short to intermediate pass and gain extra yardage in terms of yards after the catch with their athleticism. So for all those reasons alone, we also have a plus 24 net rating advantage 
for KC in their pass blocking. They have the number seven rated pass blocking unit in the league. Denver's pass rush is second worst in the league. Obviously, no Von Miller for, for quite a while now in Denver. So these are all reasons for me to where, hey, you know, I also like Daryl Williams. I'll probably play a little bit of Daryl Williams in DFS, but I believe this is where the Chiefs get right with their passing attack, even though it's been kind of up and down over the last few months. I also lean very strongly to Patrick Mahomes' passing yards uh, for a lot of the same reasons that I mentioned earlier. Right now, you can get Patrick Mahomes at 269.5 on FanDuel. I do like him to get in the 270s. I'd probably play that up to about maybe a little less than 280. But to me, my favorite prop in this game, Mahomes, longest completion over 35.5 yards at FanDuel right now. All right, solid stuff on that game, Chris. Let's jump over to the other Saturday game here. Uh, we already mentioned it, Dallas at Philly. Dallas going to be minus five. We have a total of 43. I didn't see any props early this morning, Chris. I don't know if you dug up any. I know you were you were working late tonight on uh, some of the Saturday games. Did you find anything in, the, in that particular game that you liked? No, because th- this is a game, again, like we have our teams color-coded. Like if a team has a red color beh- behind their initials on the game-by-game breakdowns we do – that means like we're avoiding this team. We don't know what they're going to do. They could be playing backups. And if they're playing backups, we don't even know what backups are going to play. Like the second stringers might get benched early. You know, it might be third, fourth, fifth stringers out there. So Philly's a team we're avoiding for those reasons. We still don't know exactly what they're going to do. I'd be surprised to see Jalen Hurts out there. And if he is out there, I'd be surprised to see him for more than a quarter or a half at the most. I, I, I would lean strongly to Gardner Minshew playing the whole game. But if he does, it's probably going to be with mostly backup pass catchers as well. They're down to only only Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie running back, who really hasn't had much work in terms of his carries workload this season. Uh, Scott, Howard, and Sanders are all out either due to COVID or to injuries. And then Dallas is another team here. Like Dallas, yes, they are motivated. They still could hypothetically get the number two seed, but it's probably probably more unlikely that they don't. And I think they would need both the Bucks to lose to the Panthers and the Rams to lose to the 49ers in order for them to get the number two. So I have my doubts about how Dallas plays their starters in this game. They could easily play Dak for a half, just like they did against Washington the other week, get a, a big multi-touchdown lead, and then just let their backup defense get the win, especially if the Eagles aren't playing their guys. So Dallas is a team – I have highlighted in yellow in terms of caution to the win here, just with them and the Bucks specifically in the kind of the same situation there in the NFC. So again, no props for me. If you just want any type of action in this game, um, I'm not playing DFS for this, for this game because we just do not know. And I prefer to at least know a little bit. DFS is a crapshoot as it is. Yeah, there's strategy and skill involved, but we really have no idea what either team's going to do in this game. So I will not have any props for this game. I probably won't play any DFS for this game either. Uh, if you're absolutely desperate for some action, maybe look to like Malik Turner. Uh, anytime we've seen the Cowboys play backups, he's like their fifth stri- fifth or sixth string receiver behind Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown. Uh, Malik Turner, Noah Brown, uh, those guys you could probably get for maybe like plus 500 to score a touchdown. So I, I would maybe just look to them if they- you just want a little – pizza bet type type of action on a player touchdown prop or something like that but i would not touch anything else all right i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna pass that game let's jump to the sunday card let's start out with probably the team that that everybody needs to lose here chris and that's the colts Uh, i see the ravens we got a bunch of teams here so let's just get into it colts at the jaguars we got indy minus 15 and a half we have a total of 44 you know what do we know we know the colts need to win if they win they're in if the Jaguars lose, they're going to end up getting the number one pick in the upcoming draft. 
Uh, in my opinion, Chris, I think Wentz last week, he looked like hot garbage uh, against the Raiders. I think the Colts, like, they have to get him some type of confidence going into the playoffs. Like, that was not a confidence-building game, especially, you know, being at home, they could have locked things up, they end up losing. So I don't know necessarily, you know, how the coaching staff or how Wentz feels, but, boy, let's just say they win this game and he has another crummy game or, or they really limit him. Um, you got to wonder where his head's at going into the playoffs. So the play that I kind of like is Jonathan Taylor under his rushing yards, 113 and a half. I think if they do take the angle that I'm looking at here, more Wentz, less Taylor, like I get it. And Chris, you you know, I, I know you like Taylor over and I don't want to, and I, I'm, let me make my argument with you. They might just ride the horse that got them there because if Wentz looks anything like he did last week, they could lose this game. I, th- I think that that's, that's fair. But I think that they have to get Wentz confidence. Like, they have to get him rolling here. And this is a good team for them to do it against. If any team in the league is tanking this week, it's the Jaguars. They don't want to throw the number one pick away. It doesn't matter that they, that, that they already have their quarterback. And I've heard people say that. Oh, it doesn't matter. They already have their quarterback. They're going to go out and try to win this week. I think that's crazy. Like, that's just crazy talk. Somebody's going to want the number one pick. And look, if, you, if you're if you there, well, you you build more. You get more for that pick. So I think the Jaguars stand a chance to go ahead and just go out there and just go through the motions at home and get the hell out of there. But I think if if, if the Colts are looking to go ahead and, and be a well-oiled machine going into the playoffs, they need to you know get Wentz some type of confidence. So look, maybe I'm wrong with the Taylor under. I know he can get there. He's been at this number and over this number for, for like weeks in a row. So maybe I'm thinking wrong, Chris. Maybe maybe I should be looking at, at Wentz stuff too because, look, would it shock you if the Colts went out and won this game 41-10, to 43-6? to 6? That wouldn't shock you. And both guys get there. So I haven't done my work yet, Chris, on Wentz props yet, but the one that I was eyeing was the Taylor under. I know you're on the opposite side. As far as this game's concerned, I'm not laying two touchdowns with Indy. I feel like the line's juiced up here. Like I, I maybe twelve is is a fair number, but like the books are trying to get you to to just bet Indy because they know it's a must win. And and I've been here, I've done that before as a rookie, and it doesn't work out well. So I won't be doing that and we'll be playing the total. I'll dig into Wentz a little bit more, Chris. And you could talk me out of my under bet, and that's all I got for that one. What are you thinking? Well, I would say that, like, hopefully you were on our Discord channel or got – if you were looking at this yourself and you wanted to bet Taylor's over, you got it earlier in the week when it was 110.5. I think all the lines moved up to 115.5 yesterday. Maybe there's a few 113s out there as of now. And I hear you. I thought the same exact thing about them wanting to have Carson Wentz have a bounce-back game here before for the playoffs, assuming they win. I don't think the Jaguars – can win a game right now, even if they try their hardest, whether they want to tank or not, it's, it's pretty much irrelevant to me. They're just that bad. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, man, like again, like he could get 150 yards in the first half. I mean, that that's how bad the Jaguars run defense has been as of late. And you look at what Taylor's done over the last two months. I mean, this guy has 170 plus yards in three out of his last eight games, literally almost every other game he's getting over 170 yards. So for me in this type of situation, like, yeah, you know, let's say the Colts had clinched the seed already and they knew they were in and maybe it was just a seeding type of game, like, oh, fifth or sixth seed. 
then maybe they could be a little more flexible and like having this be a Wentz-centric game. But that's not what they've done all year, whether Wentz has played good or bad. So I think regardless of whether Wentz plays well or not, uh, Taylor's still going to get his. And I, and I still do like him over the 110 and a half that I gave out in our, our subscriber discord earlier in the week. Um, you know, here's how I want to do this, right? I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to get the 2,000-yard marker. He needs 265 yards to get there. However, I do think that that prop, it, you know, DK has these special props in order for guys to like reach milestones and break records. We were talking about this earlier. If I were setting the prop, uh, the line on Taylor to, to get to 2,000 yards, which means he needs over 265 and a half, I'd probably set that like 20 to 1, 25 to 1, because let's not forget last year in week 17 against the same Jaguars, he rushed for 250 yards. And again, as I just mentioned, he's at 170 plus yards in literally almost half his games over the last two months. Um, so for me, what I'll do is since I like Taylor, I, I think he's going to be absolutely the focus of the game plan this week. I'm willing to I'm willing to risk a unit on Taylor this week. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take three quarters of the unit, put it on the normal line, 110 and a half. Then I'm going to take a quarter unit and put it on him to break the 2000 mile uh, yard marker for the season, which will mean 265 and a half. So, you know, I'll probably lose the quarter unit, but it's 30 to one. And I'm willing to risk the one unit as a whole. I think the 30 to one is worth throwing a pizza bet on for that, throw 20, 25 bucks on it, et cetera. Um, so that's how I'm approaching that specific prop. Again, I don't think he's going to get it, but I th- think there is value on the 30 to one for him to do that given his track record over the last year and everything that's ext- at, that's at stake. Uh, all the numbers for like the Colts have been one of the most run heavy teams, in the NFL over the second half of the season. Uh, all those reasons alone, Taylor is the guy that can break off chunk runs. He could, you know, break off two seventy yard runs in the first half and nobody would put him past that. So uh, for those reasons, that's how I'm approaching this game specifically. And that's probably going to be, one of the only bets I have down. Another bet, actually, Sleepy, I do like just getting away from the milestone stuff for a second, is Dari Gumbawale. Uh, he was like the the Jag starter the last two weeks once uh, Hyde and Robinson specifically went down. But uh, Rykel Armstead's a guy, he like missed the whole last year because of COVID reasons. He had some really bad COVID complications, but he was actually a rookie they liked a little over a year ago. And he came back into the fold last week and almost split work with Dari Gumbawale down the middle now, Dari Gumbawale, we know him as like a former pass catching specialist with the Bucks. He's bounced around the league for quite a few years. Um, I like him under. I bet under 42 and a half rushing yards earlier in the week. I'd probably buy that all the way down to like 39 and a half. Um, Indy has a top three run defense in the league, and the Jaguars have one bottom five run blocking unit. I expect Armstead to probably play more, give give the young kids some more burn in the last week of the season, see what they get out of him or what he can do. Uh, so I I do also like Dari Gumbawale under his rushing yards because I think he plays more of a pass catching role in the matchup and kind of everything else screams that there. It's hard to run on the Colts. So uh, those are the two props I like: Jonathan Taylor over, Dari Gumbawale under, and I'm pretty much sticking to those two for this game. All right, not bad. Let's jump over to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Baltimore's going to be minus four, total forty one and a half. Now look, both teams can get into the playoffs, but both are going to need um, some help. Pitt will need, you know, far less than what the Ravens are going to need. You know, Pitt gets in with a win and a Colts loss, and the Ravens can get in with a win coupled with a Colts, Chargers, and Dolphins loss. So it's a real uphill battle here for Baltimore. Chris, I'm passing the game 
but there's a prop that I like, you like, so we both like this one. I'll let you explain what it is. What do you got? All right, so back to our mile. I think this is the one you're talking about. Back to our milestones here. I mentioned at the top of the pod, uh, Mark Andrews needs 141 yards to break the tight end single season record, right? But we don't have to bet on him at 140 and a half yards, as you know, as crazy as that sounds. I do like Mark Andrews, however, at the normal line of 68 and a half receiving yards. A uh, couple of reasons I like this prop. Well, A is because Tyler Hunt, uh, Tyler Huntley is going to be starting instead of Lamar Jackson. Um, Andrews now has 89 or more receiving yards in four straight games. He has 115 plus in three of his last four. And two out two, two out of his last four games this month, he has yardage totals of 125 and 136. Remember those two numbers for just a second from now here. With Tyler Huntley this year, Mark Andrews is averaging 88 yards per game in six games where Huntley has played. Now, he's been the absolute alpha. Like, Huntley's looked at him as, like, the number one wide receiver on that team there. Uh, so, for me, I'm going to do just what I did for the Taylor. I'm going to risk a unit on Andrews. I'm going to take the three-quarters of a unit, bet it over 68-and-a-half. I like that up to 70, about 71-and-a-half. I'd probably play it up to at the most. Uh, and then I'll throw a quarter unit down on Andrews over 124-and-a-half, which is an alt line you can get at FanDuel for about plus 580, plus 600. Uh, again, he needs 141 to break the record. I'm not saying he's going to break it. I'm saying that the Ravens are likely going to try to break it. And he could just break it on a normal game with Huntley alone. So th- those are all the reasons I'm going to bet that and how I'm going to bet that with Mark Andrews. Uh, the matchup is there for him. The quarterback is there for him, similar to another guy we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, Sleep, you'll break, break this down a little more. It's like the Ravens, yeah, they still can play. They, they can still make the playoffs, but they need a lot of things to go their way. And they, they have more flexibility, so to speak, to try to scheme things up to get these guys their records. And, and Mark Andrews is a, is a vital part of their franchise moving forward. They made him the highest t- a paid tight end in the league. Young guy, young guy with just massive upside. I think they try to feed him this week, and I'd be really surprised if they didn't at least try to get him over the 100 yards up to the 141 yards he needs to, to break the record there. So that, those are the props I like for this game. All right, solid stuff on that one. Let's jump over to – Cincinnati and Cleveland Browns are going to be minus six here. Total 38. Chris, as you had mentioned, it looks like the Bengals aren't going to go ahead and, uh, and play. But what I want to do is I want to go back to, I don't know what podcast it was. I'm going to say it was like week six. Maybe it was week seven, somewhere in that area. And I said, Chris, I said, you know, I like this Bengals team. Don't be shocked if they make the playoffs. And I don't know necessarily exactly what your quote was, but, I'm going to take a shot that it was, I'll just be happy with a winning record from the Bengals this season. I think that that's exactly kind of what you said. So now that the Bengals have a winning season, Chris, have I talked you into this team now that we're uh, going into the playoffs? Like, had I told you in week six or week seven that the Bengals would be resting players going into the playoffs, you would have told me I was crazy, right? I probably would have told you you were crazy, man. Yeah, honestly, I think I said that I'd be happy with seven and ten. Even like I didn't even, I didn't even think a, a winning record was in the cards this year. But you got to give hats off to Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, uh, what he's done over the second half of this year. Joe Mixon's had a great year. The offensive line they haven't been that great, but they've done enough, especially run blocking wise. I think with this unit, uh, the defense has had its moments. Although I think their defense could be the Achilles heel for them to make a true playoff run here. 
but yeah, man, I, you know, I, this, this is a good Bengals football team. I think they proved this year that they're the best in the AFC North, uh, regardless of the injuries to the other teams, the Browns, Steelers, Ravens, et cetera. So the fact that they swept the AFC North, I, I think is the most impressive thing that they did all year. That you know, A lot of people have called this one of the toughest divisions in football over the last few years. And the fact they went 6-0 and against those three teams, I mean, that, that's that's pretty damn impressive, especially the fact that, look, if the, you know, the, the Steelers and Ravens are still alive to make the playoffs, and the Browns were just eliminated last week. So none of these teams have had terrible years, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I got to say, I'm proud of my Bengals as a fan. I haven't been this excited about the Bengals uh, since they made the uh, playoffs with Carson Palmer and he, he tore his ACL in that infamous wild card game against the Steelers. So it's been a long time coming since then. I think that was like 2005, 2006. It's been about 15 years, man. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to dust the old cobwebs off the Rudy Johnson uh, throwback jersey and put it on for uh, for when they play in a wild card weekend, man. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have to get you a Mixon jersey or a Burrow jersey because that, <laughs> that I mean, we're doing a podcast now and I'm guessing that probably at least 30 or 40 percent have no idea who the hell Rudy Johnson is that's just a guess you gotta throw hey sleepy you gotta throw on the old YouTube highlights like Rudy Johnson had a stretch where he was getting like 200 yards 150 yards like he was killing it that year uh I had the Chad John I have two Chad Johnson old jerseys uh before he changed the name to Ocho Cinco and then I have a really old Peter Ward jersey in the closet somewhere too so I'm, I'm a I'm a throwback Bengals fan man but if I had to get one this year Ooh, I think it would be it'd be tough not to get Jamar Chase. And uh, shout out to our boy uh, Coach J Rod. But uh, sorry, Coach J Rod, try to argue with me on Twitter that Mac Jones deserves the Rookie Offensive Player of the Year. I- I'm sorry, man. Like you, you can't make that argument with me. This isn't the MVP award. This isn't a quarterback award. Like Jamar Chase is the Rookie Offensive Player of the Year, and I, I just can't even debate that with anyone at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to get in the middle of that debate. I like Chase for that award too, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't want to even really get into it. I'm not okay. So just just for the record, this is one of the games again. Like we have the red mark around the Bengals. Like they have no motivation to play. Uh, Chase needs 45 yards, I think, or 54 yards to break the rookie single season record. I, I don't even know if Chase is going to play. He's broken so many records already. Like for them to throw him out there for just that one, I don't know if they're going to do that. And uh, his line wouldn't even be set in the fifties, anyways. His line would probably be set in the seventies or eighties. So uh, I'm not going near that Jamar Chase. That's one of the records that I'm going to stay away from, no matter what happens with Chase on Sunday. Yeah, I think they just have too much to play for, you know, in the following weeks ahead. So you know, why do that? Let's jump over the Packers and the Lions, as we all know pretty or pretty much everybody should know by now that my Green Bay Packers are locked into the number one seed. They're going to get a first-round bye. Uh, but, the you know, the Packers said they wanted to trot the starters out there. But it seems like they kind of fallen back, you know, on those comments the last couple of days. So I'm not sure what starters suit up or, or you know, how long they may play for. So that's something that you may want to go ahead and wait on. Uh, Adams, I think he has a record within reach there. Um don't necessarily know what he's going to do. I think it was like the Packers all-time receiving record. So look, I maybe if he goes out there and plays, you know, maybe he gets that Chris. I don't necessarily know, you know, why the hell they would do that. I mean, it's in my opinion, it's it's crazy to, you know, he's the best wide receiver in the league in my opinion. He gets hurt. I mean, LaFleur coach of the year, forget it. He ain't getting it. So, uh for me it's a pass all around on that game, but I don't know if you have anything on that game, Chris, but it looks pretty dull yeah. as of right now. 
No, I mean, the, I think the Lions are going to be all out to win. I mean, they, they've been all out to win seemingly every single game this year. So I think they're going to come out to play. I mean, there's a reason why the spread's only three and a half. Uh, I don't expect the Packers to play their starters, honest. I'd be surprised. I, I think it's a lot of just like uh, coach speak and trying to mislead the media and whatnot. Like, man, I, I just I don't even know if Rodgers plays the, the first half. So I'd be really surprised to see more than a quarter, honestly, from these guys. Just to keep things fresh, you could kind of make a rational argument that that's worth doing that. Um, but yeah, this is a game that like I wouldn't mind targeting some DFS guys for the Lions. I think Amon Ross St. Brown. Like if people are going to shy away from guys on teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, uh, I will say this, this about Amon Ross St. Brown. I have not looked at his numbers for props yet, but he's had a 30% plus, uh, plus target share in five straight games now. Uh, and against man coverage, against zone, he's getting heavily targeted no matter who the quarterback is. There's a chance Jared Goff even plays in this game. So 43 catches for 450 yards over the last five games. This guy's been like a top three receiver in terms of fantasy over the last month. Uh, I maybe will look at him because I think the Lions will be all out to win uh, for most, if not all, this game. Absolutely made the playoffs because of that guy, Chris. Unreal. I picked him up off the waiver wire. There's no way that that guy's on the waiver wire next year. He's getting drafted somewhere. Um, and Hopefully I'll get a hold of him because I got a hold of him. I was like, yo, this, this dude can ball. So it's cool to see a bad team end up with, uh, you know, a guy that, that, that you root for and that, kind of broke out of the mold. It was like, yeah, you know, we suck, but hey, you know, I'm I'm the best player on the team. And uh I think he is, you know, at least wide receiver wise. So all right. Enough with my Packers. Uh they're going to the Super Bowl. So we already we already know that. Chris, I don't know if you got anything for the Washington Giants game. This is a game that, you know, these both of these teams are out. Giants will be getting, I think, what are they getting? Plus seven here at home. We have a low total of thirty seven and a half. I don't have anything on this game. I don't really see much of uh I don't see anything really that maybe that I'll wait draw on this one. What do you got? Anything? No, I don't I don't have anything for this game. Uh they've been slow to release props because, you know, Gibson's supposed to come back for this week. He's been banged up. Uh, I think he missed the last game for being on the COVID list. So I don't think we have any props on this game yet. I would look maybe to like target whoever uh qu- whichever quarterback's playing for the Giants. As bad as Washington's secondary has been. I don't think it's a remedy for the Giants passing attack to get on track for this week. So I would probably look to target the passing yards under for whether it's Jake Fromm or Mike Glenn. And I'm not even sure what's going on with that situation right now, but that's one area I would look if I were to bet a prop in this game. Uh, it's it's too risky for me to like touch Washington because I mean, yeah, like McLaurin could have a big week. The matchups there, Gibson could have a big week, but Gibson, I'm just a little iffy on because He's kind of the future of the franchise in terms of the running back there, and I don't know if they want to like really put him out there. He's had multiple injuries. He's dealt with a shin injury all year. Uh, other injuries have, have dinged him up too. You know, I, I don't know if they give him the full workload like we've been used to seeing, although the, the matchup is there to attack. The Giants' defense on the ground has been really bad against opposing running backs. But, yeah, most, like, most likely a complete stay-away game for me here, unless we get one of those passing yards props unders we can attack. I think that you have to look under in that game for – I mean, this is one if, if you can go and you could do like a same-game parlay or something like that. You just go under on one team and then you don't mix and match them, but just – you know, maybe you could play a bunch of unders, like maybe you do like a three or four team parlay or something like that, because it's all going to be correlated. Like it, let's say, you know, Fromm's out there and it's like, well, he stinks anyways. And it like, who's he going to throw the ball to? Like, if you guys watched him when he played, I mean, he, 
I don't want to say bad things about the guy, but he's terrible. So it's like, look, you can load up on a bunch of unders, and these teams more than likely at this point, I think I think it's safe, Chris, at least with Washington. We And you mentioned this before with Nagy and with Zimmer. It's like, you know, Washington's pretty safe. It's not like they have to go out there and they have to coach their rear end off. Like, I would be looking at Gibson under if he plays. I would be looking at McLaurin under, putting them together, and then I would flip it over and maybe look at, like, a you know, a Shepard or an Ingram or a Saquon or whoever, you know, and, and just coupling those guys and putting those together and just, you know, just parlaying them up. If, if you really feel like you, you need that junkie action uh, for a particular game, um, you know, th- that's a game you can do it. You know, there's another game coming up in Chicago and Minnesota, Chris. Minnesota's going to be minus five and a half. There's a total of 44. It's, you know, basically the same situation here with Washington and the Giants. These teams are both out. So I don't know if you have anything in that game. Actually, I know you have a play on Chicago, one of the players. So I'll let you go ahead and touch on that because I don't want to steal your thunder. But as far as the game concerned, I don't want any, any part of it. Yeah, well, you know, again, this is these are two teams where you could argue both coaches are on the hot seat with Nagy and Zimmer. You know, maybe Nagy's seat's a bit hotter than Zimmer, but we'll see what happens after the season ends here. Uh, I think both coaches are going to be playing, if anything, just for pride in this game. We haven't heard any news about starters being rested. Um, so I'm going to treat this like a normal game. Uh, two teams already eliminated from the playoffs, division rivals, build some momentum, some uh, positive vibes heading into 2022, et cetera. And honestly, Sleepy, like out of everything we talked about, my favorite prop so far this week, the biggest bet I've made has been on Darno Mooney. Uh, I'm going to risk two units on Darno Mooney to go over. Just want to double check the line here because I don't have the book in front of me. But the one I, that one I bet earlier is Mooney over 54 and a half receiving yards. Now, I'm going to bring up a few reasons why I like that a lot. Well, first of all, according to our usage trends and data area of our cheat sheet, our research doc, uh, we've seen consecutive week increases now for Mooney. Uh, targets per route run up to 31%. That's an elite number. Target share up to 37%. Air yard share up to 47%. Those are elite numbers across the board. In consecutive weeks, those numbers have all increased back to back to back. Mooney, on the other hand, he needs just 71 yards to get 1,000 yards for the season. Again, like you brought this up. I think it's very sharp of you to do so. You look for these guys to achieve these milestones, 1,000 yards, 1,500, 5,000 yards passing, et cetera. You know, especially look for the guys that need to do this on teams that have already been eliminated and that have no news or mention of resting players in week 18. Uh, so Mooney, to me, he has the matchup as well. Uh, Minnesota is number 26, almost bottom five in the league in DVOA against deep passes. They're also bottom 10 against number one wide receivers in DVOA. Their, sec- their secondary has been really bad all year long. They've given, they've given up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers this entire year. In the uh, And then Mooney, just overall for the year, despite the up and downs at quarterbacks, he has a top 13 target share in the year, 26% target share for Darnell Mooney. And the reason I like this prop the most, in addition to all the reasons I just mentioned, Sleepy, is the fact that Andy Dalton's going to be starting and we don't get Justin Fields in week 18 now. The last time that these two teams played was a little less than a month ago on prime time with Justin Fields, who was not at 100%. With the Bears only scoring nine points in that game, Mooney still had 63 yards in that game. With Andy Dalton this year, I believe that Mooney is averaging, I just want to double check this to make sure I get it right. Uh, Mooney is averaging 67 yards per game 
in seven games with Dalton this year. A couple of those games are where Dalton didn't play a full game, mind you. So this is even higher in games that Dalton has started. He needs the 71 yards. He's on a fast track in Minnesota. No worries about the weather here. 71 yards to reach 1,000 with the right quarterback under center. I absolutely love this prop. Like This is where you want to attack because I expect him to get that 71 yards and reach 1,000 on the year, and we're getting the chance to bet the over 54.5. I would just be completely shocked if he doesn't top this. I mean, obviously you always run risk for injuries and other things. I mean, look, there's no guarantees in betting and props, side souls, et cetera, but this so far to me is my absolute favorite prop of the week. Darnell Mooney over 54 and a half. I'm going to risk two units on that. I would honestly probably play a full unit up to like 70 and a half just to get that 71, 71 yards. I think he's absolutely, absolutely going to break that, break that yardage marker uh, this week. I feel like that's a home run prop, Chris. And a lot of the reasons, like you have so many reasons this week that you want to jump on that, but throughout the entire season, you know, you could say, well, there's this factor, this factor, this factor. And look, generally when you and I are looking to go ahead and play uh, overs or unders or anything like that, we're looking for like three or four main factors. But this is like a game in which you feel like you got like six or seven. It was like, and this is like, you know, very rare instance, very rare instance. And once you get that, you know, you feel like it's a home run type of prop. And this is the reason why it's your biggest prop of the week. So um, I'm guessing this is probably going to be, you know, one of your your biggest props that you bet all year long as far as, you know, out of your own personal pocket. But, you know, these are the we wish we can get these type of, um, you know, props all year long. You know, we don't. But like this is one that you have to attack, guys. Like this is this is the home run prop. I'm not saying it's it's a lock. It's not a grand slam prop by any means, but it is a home run prop. I think you guys should really consider going ahead. If, if there were like a best bet on this podcast, you know, that that would probably be it. There's only maybe a handful of like three, four props that I felt this way about this year, maybe just two or three, to be honest. And this is right up there. I think we had a, a Monroe St. Brown under earlier in the year when he was playing out of the slot against Jalen Ramsey. And he had zero catches on zero targets in that game. Like this is up there with that type, type of prop, it, even though it's an over again, like you said, like there's just so many, too many factors. It almost, it makes me want to break them all. Like I don't, I usually like to, I don't like to just flat bet props, but I like to keep them like, Hey, you know, pizza bet, long shot, quarter unit, you know, sometimes a half unit up to, you know, you, the props you really like a unit and a half up to two units. Like I'm really kind of pushing myself to break that mold. And I might double down in terms of like what the biggest prop bet I've made this year, just on this one alone. But I, I want to work myself all the way through the car. There's still some numbers that haven't been released yet. See where I'm at at the end of the weekend. But I don't anticipate this line being steamed higher than like 60. So I'm still going to like it no matter where it ends up at. Uh, I think I'm going to wind up putting a little bit more uh, than usual, even at being my best bet prop of the week. And I think you have the, you know, this this is one of those props, Chris, where you have the opportunity to potentially use an alternate line to get some plus money, you know, on this particular prop because, you know, there is a pretty decent sized gap there. Let's jump over to Tennessee and Houston. Um, Tennessee, we know if they win, they get the number one seed first round by. Uh, they'll be on the road here against division foe. They're playing Houston. Uh, we know about Houston. They're not that good of a football team right now. Houston's getting 10 and a half points. We have a total of 42 and a half. Um, rumors are that Derrick Henry may be activated and that he potentially could see some snaps in this game. Those are the rumors that I heard. Um, I'm not necessarily sure, you know, if he'll play or not, but look, I think, you know, Tennessee has bigger and better things to, you know, look at. And look, I've been, 
telling people for weeks and weeks, multiple weeks, go back and check every podcast that I've done. I talked about Tennessee. I said, this is probably the most undervalued team right now because you can get like 28 to one to win the Super Bowl. You can get like, I don't know what it is, like 18 or 16 to one to win the AFC. Nobody's going to want to play this team. Like you have Julio Jones, you have AJ Brown, you have Derrick Henry, you have a defense that has literally carried this team you know, the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of confidence there. Like nobody's going to want to play Tennessee. And do I want to lay 10 and a half points in this game? No, I don't. I would actually tease this down, get it under the 10, get it under the seven. I feel like Tennessee will win this game. Not sure if they'll try to run the score up, but I have a feeling, you know, they're going to win this game by at least a touchdown or more. So let me tease them down. That's one of the teaser options that I have for this week. No feel on the total, Chris. No feel really on a player prop, but that's all I'm going to do for that particular game. What do you think about Tennessee and Houston? Yeah, I'm not too scared about the the thing with Derrick Henry coming back. I mean, even if he does play, quote-unquote, a handful of snaps, I mean, look, they're likely to beat Houston, you know, get the first get the first round by as the number one seed. I think their defense is good enough. I think their run their, their run scheme, their, their rushing attack as a whole is good enough because Houston's weakness is their run defense. Uh I don't know if Tannehill's going to need to throw much at all, although I think A.J. Brown has a plus matchup on the outside as well. Um, but I do like Donta Foreman here to go over his rushing yards, regardless of whether Henry is activated off the IR or not. Um, I mean, look, Donta Foreman, give him credit. This guy came off an Achilles injury. It seemed like he was lost in the NFL. His career might have been over at a very young age. He's now at 100 yards in two out of the last three and three out of the last five. Last week against the Dolphins, the Dolphins came into week 17, mind you, last week as like on paper they had a top five run defense. You could look at the PFF grades, the DVOA grades. I mean, all the time those things aren't going to add up, but most of the times you're, you're going to do pretty well kind of using those as a guide for your defensive rankings. I know I like to use them a lot for the defensive rankings we do at Betting Predators here. Uh, but Foreman smashed that, and he really just ran all over the Dolphins here. The matchup just gets 10 times better in Week 18. Given that the Titans need to win, I don't think they mess around. I think they do what's in their genes, which is to run the football. Like They're a run-first team, whether it's Dontrell Hillier, Donta Foreman, Derrick Henry, etc. I expect Foreman to crush the 65-and-a-half rushing yards prop we gave out earlier in the week, which we got at Fox Bet minus 120. Well, you can still get that now at 67-and-a-half at FanDuel and a few other shops. I think the most books – have taken it off the board uh, maybe in the last 24 hours since that Henry uh, news broke about him possibly coming back. But again, like once the numbers come back up, I think Foreman easily gets over 70 yards in this game. He's had 20 plus carries now in two out of the last three. And the only time he didn't get it was against San Francisco, uh, uh, which is a defense we'll talk about here in a little bit where San Francisco has a top three run defense. Like no one's running on San Francisco. So Foreman basically in his last two games against non-San Francisco defenses has 100-plus yards, 20-plus carries. So to me, this line is just too low, and I just can't see a scenario where they throw the, their, their franchise player, just throw him into the fire in a Week 18 game. I think they want to save him for the real important games, which are in the playoffs here. So maybe a few carries for Henry, but I think Foreman's absolutely still the lead dog here in this game. Look, I, Foreman is not Henry. And I think that this is something that I have to I have to say this. And this is one of the reasons why I really like Tennessee. Like, we know Foreman's not Henry. And we know guys like Dontrell Hilliard and Chester Rogers and uh, Westbrook. 
Like those guys aren't AJ Brown. They're not Julio Jones. Normally when those guys come on the field, they're not being looked at as like an option maybe to get the ball. But it doesn't matter who they put out here now because these guys have had so many reps. And guys like Foreman, Chris just mentioned it, had like, what, 132 yards in his last game. Uh, Hilliard, or I think Hilliard, he didn't lead the team in, in, in catches like last week. But he, those guys are producing when they go on the field. And now when you throw Julio out there and Brown out there and maybe you mix in, you know, with Hilliard and, and maybe you see Foreman in the backfield, it was like, well, he's not going to get the ball. He's not. Gonna, you don't know who's going to get it because there's going to be a lot of confidence, you know, within the playbook for any guy that they put on the field. Which I think that's going to stress every defense that they see. And they're not going. I just I have a feeling like Tennessee is going to be a real bad matchup for any team that they see in the playoffs. And look, I'm not. I haven't actually picked them to win the Super Bowl, Chris. I'll send you the ticket that I have. I, I want to send it to you and show you what I just bet recently, but. I think Tennessee is a team that you should be careful messing with, especially betting against them. I think they'll surprise some teams. But um, let me go ahead and jump off of, of that game with my love for uh, uh, Tennessee. Yeah. You better just just apologies to Dan Rivera because anytime you, you talk anything positive about the Titans, you you got, you got to say sorry to Dan, lifelong Colts fan. Over there. I don't mind. I don't mind. But I think Tennessee is a. Uh, I think Tennessee's is live, and nobody's going to want to mess with them. And I think Vrabel has a very good shot of you know winning. Um, you know, coach of the year. All right, Chris, with all that wrapped up, let's over to our next game here. We got New Orleans at Atlanta. Atlanta, they'll be plus three and a half here at home. Uh, we have a total of 39 and a half. Play I'm looking at here, Chris, is going to be Kyle Pitts over his receiving yards. Now, this is one of those trappy type of picks. You guys got to be careful. You have to shop around. Right now, Pitts needs 59 yards to break the rookie tight end single season record. At Fandle right now, they have it listed at 61.5. So there is a very good chance that if Kyle Pitts does play, because he's listed as questionable right now, that if he gets to 60 or 61, that they yank him off the field and you guys are sitting there with a 61.5 ticket in your pocket and it doesn't go over and you're pissed. We've seen this before. It happens. It'll probably happen again tomorrow. It may not happen with this particular pick. So look around. Shop around as much as you can. We want Kyle Pitts at like 57 and a half, 58 and a half, maybe even 59. That's kind of where we want to be. We want to avoid anything over 59 and, you know, 59, 59 and a half, 60. We want to avoid all that. So I do think Pitts plays Chris. I think he, they, they do try to get him this record. So that's the only pick that I'll go ahead and play for that particular game. But guys, just be careful because this is one of those players who he's locked in here. You know, they love this kid. They drafted him. He's going to be on the team for a number of years now. And if he gets this record, cool. Get him off the field, and you know that's pretty much the way it'll probably go. So shop around, get the best number. But I do think Pitts goes, you know, fifty nine yards here to go ahead and break the record. That's all I got for that game. Yeah, just real, just caution, sleepy. We mentioned it before we recorded, but uh, Pitts hasn't practiced yet this week. Like, there's still a chance he could not even play. So I would just like the hamstring injury is like one of the most easiest to reaggravate during a game. And he tried coming back last week after he aggravated against Buffalo and had to leave the field again. So uh, even if he does come back, like this could be one of those records that he the player doesn't get because of re-injury. That's probably the greatest risk. So for me, I was able to give out the 57.5, which was at Caesars earlier a couple hours ago. That line is no longer available. Uh, and that was perfect because it was he needs 59. So you want to bet 57.5, you want to bet 58.5. 
uh, I'd be very cautious about betting anything over 58 and a half. And unfortunately, that's all we can get right now. So just keep in mind the the hamstring injury. You know, if he doesn't play, the bet's void. It's all good. But uh, just be careful because I think a lot of the lines I'm seeing right now are 61 and a half, 62 and a half. And I wouldn't bet either of those personally. And I think that that's what a lot of the books are doing now. So, you know, it could be a prop that, that we, you know, might not be able to bet. But, you know, there are some rogue books out there. Some of you guys have, you know, offshores or, or whatever the case might be. So if you do find one that's slow to react, you know, you you particular betters, uh, you guys who have, you know, that access, you know, but then, you know, that's a wager you might want to consider. Uh, let's jump over to Jets at Buffalo. Buffalo, they'd be laying a boatload here, minus 16 and a half, total 40 and a half. Chris, this is another prop that you absolutely love. We talked about Stefan Diggs that opened up the podcast. So if you want to go ahead and talk a little bit more about that, um, you can. But for me, I don't know what to do. Like, I think the Jets throw the kitchen sink at at Buffalo here because the Jets, they are playing. It's not like they're laying down. So I, I'm not laying 16 and a half points with Buffalo. I said this, I don't know if it was two weeks ago or, or maybe three weeks ago. I did a podcast. I think it was with Steve and Uncle Dave. And I'm like, Buffalo is not 16 or 14 points better than any team in the league. They're not 16 and a half points better than the Jets. And I don't care if the playoffs are on the line. I'm not betting Buffalo. I'm not laying that many points. Me personally, I think Buffalo is one of the weakest teams out of all the playoff teams that are going to be in this year. So there's no way in hell you're you're getting me to bet Buffalo, but I will go ahead and take the prop that Chris likes. What do you got there? Yeah, same thing as we said. I don't want to rehash too much, but Stephon Diggs, you can get plus 115 at BetMGM for the over six and a half. Again, he only needs six to get the $1.5 million bonus. So I'm not going to go as heavy as I normally would. Although, you know, again, I do think the chances of him getting exactly six hitting the incentive and losing the overprop are pretty slim, although still possible. So I'm going to probably bet a half unit, maybe a little less than a full unit on it. Um, But that's where I'm at with that one. He also needs, I think, 230 yards for another $1.5 million incentive. But that's just – that's about three times or more what the normal yardage prop line is for him. So I'm not going anywhere near there. Another side note with Diggs, uh, he also does need one touchdown to get the 10 – touchdowns on the year I don't I don't think that's like a thing they're going to go out and try to do but maybe maybe it's something that he does do more often than not because of that he ends the year with hey I'm going to get the finish the year with 10 touchdowns and get my 1.5 million dollar bonus on the catches for 100 catches and uh, 10 touchdowns so if you can get uh, Diggs to score a touchdown at a little bit at, at decent plus money odds if I can get plus 115 I don't think that's a terrible pizza uh, pizza bet type of wager but um those are the only notes right now. And again, like it's, I am willing to attack the, the bills and DFS. Cause I, I think that, uh, you know, Al Zeidenfeld, a professional DFS player uh, brought up a great point on one of his podcasts earlier this week, which is that uh, the, the general public shies away from stacking teams on heavy favorites. Like when the team's favored by 10 points or more, people are like, Oh, well, they're just going to blow the other team out and they're not going to play their starters. Uh, but it's actually the opposite. Like when a team is favored by like 10, 14 points, Usually that means their implied team total is pretty darn high. And it doesn't matter if like you're blowing a team out. Like if your team's projected to score 28 points, whether it's a close line or a big line, let's say you're going to get those points. Like the players are still going to score the same amount of touchdowns. So I think that that's that's a chance where we have a huge ceiling for the Bills offense here in a must-win game against probably the worst defense in the league. 
uh, you could have a really under-owned uh, Bills stack with, with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, maybe throw in a Gabe Davis, a Dawson Knox, especially Knox, I think, after he had zero catches last week or the week before, I think it was last week. But uh, this could be a really good opportunity in DFS to double stack uh, with the Bills offense, I think, could be coming, to, coming in at low ownership with maybe the highest ceiling in the NFL. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to San Francisco and the Rams. Rams going to be minus four and a half, total 44 and a half. San Francisco, they have to win. Otherwise, they're gone. And the Rams, they have to win in order to clinch the NFC West, and they'll be the number two seed. So both of these teams have something to play for. I like the under in this particular game, Chris. Uh, 44 and a half to me seems like there's a little bit of value. I like the San Fran defense. I like the Rams defense. Um, I guess Lance is probably going to end up going this week. I haven't fully gotten the report if he's going to you know, be the guy or, or whatnot for this particular week, but it would be under for me. I know you had some, um, I think, Cooper Cup props that you wanted to go ahead and talk about, though. What do you got for that game? Yeah, I'll try to get through this one quick here because there's a few props that I bet for this game already. Um, well, Jimmy Garoppolo has three limited practices in a row with no setbacks, so I actually think that he's going to play. Um, you know, how limited is he going to be? Could he re-injure himself? Of course he could, but I think he definitely gives this game more of a potential to have a little bit more back and forth offensively here. Um, obviously Cooper cup, you know, everyone's heard about these incentives this week, but I'll just rehash them real quick. He needs 12 catches, uh, to break the single season reception record, 136 yards to break the single season yardage record <clears throat> also could get to 2000 receiving yards with 171 yards. Uh, DK had a couple, they have a couple special promo bets up where you could get, uh, over 11 and a half catches basically to break the record. 12 catches, uh, was at plus 400 earlier in the week. I actually thought that was pretty good odds uh, given the situation where like the San Francisco 49ers secondary has been decimated with injuries with COVID. Uh, the last time these two teams played Cooper cup had 11 catches for 122 yards. So to give him plus 400 to do that again and get one more catch to break the record. Uh, I like that. I, I like that at plus 400. I wouldn't go too much lower than that. Like I, I think it's down to like 360, 380. I think that's still okay. I'm, you know, I'm not betting more than a half unit on this type of stuff here. So I might have like one unit total in terms of these long shot props for the week, which I'm okay with. Um, with the yardage prop, uh, I haven't touched that yet. Uh, you can find lines of like 115, 125. You know, I to me, the reception prop is the one I've targeted because of the odds there I thought were the most value. But I still am looking at the yardage prop. Maybe I want to look at the over 115 because of, I think that the matchup lines up perfectly. You just can't run on the Niners, but you can throw all over them. I mean, look what A.J. Brown did against them on Thursday Night Football. Even in a low-scoring game, absolutely is possible here, especially when you look at the fact that the Rams' defense is very tough, and it's tough to run on the Rams as well. So how much will the Niners be able to run the ball on the Rams too? I don't think it's going to be a repeat of the 31-10 to 10 uh, 49ers blowout we saw earlier in the season. So those are the things that I'm looking at here. Uh, Elijah Mitchell needs 128 yards to crack a thousand for the season. I don't think he's going to get there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's something that I just put a note in on, on, on the, on the dock there, but yeah, the, the Cooper cup stuff to me, I think there's value on the receptions prop and then Stafford. I, I, I like Stafford over his passing yards and I like Stafford over one and a half touchdowns, which is I, unfortunately, you know, it's kind of in that in that area where you got to eat a ton of big on this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to risk a half. I'm going to risk a unit. Basically, I'm going to bet one unit to win a half unit uh, over one and a half touchdown pass for Stafford 
uh, is like minus 190, minus 200. So I'm okay with risking one unit to win a half unit here. Stafford needs exactly two passing touchdowns to get the 40 on the year. You know, I think that the, the implied team totals around 21, 22, enough for about three touchdowns for the Rams. Again, San Francisco is just very difficult to run the ball on whatsoever all, all year long. Uh, so I think Stafford throws at least a couple touchdown passes in this game because that's what you can do against this Niners defense. So I like Stafford over the one and a half touchdown passes. I, I strongly lean to him over his passing yards as well. And, and I'm going to make that long shot prop bet for Cups. So that's kind of where I'm at for this game. All right, let's jump over to Carolina at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to be minus eight. We have a total of 41 and a half. Uh, I would certainly go ahead and tease Tampa Bay down. I mean, they do have some incentive to go ahead and win this particular game. Um, I think they get the number two seed if they win this game. I guess, you know, we're kind of unsure if the starters are even going to play. I mean, it's uh, it's a crazy situation. I think a lot of that has to do with the one o'clock um, results and then, you know, the, the you know four o'clock games coming up. So just keep an eye out on that. I will say this, um, and I, I was going to do a podcast on this or at least, you know, plug it into a podcast, but. If there's any Antonio Brown odds out there to play next year, and I know you can't find them on Bet Online at right now at like three to one, I would seriously bet Antonio Brown to play next year. Um, I 100% believe this guy is going to be on a roster, regardless of what anybody else thinks or whatever the media thinks. Um, he's too damn good, and there's a lot of he said, she said going on. So it only takes a desperate coach to go in there and have this guy say, like, look, whatever the case might be, take a chance. Somebody will sign this guy. There's no way in hell he's not going to be playing football next year uh, unless they just blackball him like they kind of did to Colin Kaepernick, and I don't see that happening. So uh, Tampa Bay in the teaser for me, and like I mentioned, you can, on Ben Online, you could get uh, you could get 3-1 to one on AB to go ahead and play next year. I think that that's a pretty decent wager. What do you got for that game, Chris? Yeah, Gronkowski needs seven catches for a $500,000 bonus. Gronkowski also needs 85 receiving yards for a separate $500,000 bonus. Uh, I'm right now, they don't have receptions props up for this game. So I've already given out and bet Gronkowski over 65 and a half receiving yards in this game. I think the fact that you look at this with the Bucks, like, yeah, we don't know 100% if they're going to be a full go uh, for this game here. But what we do know is that the Buccaneers could help themselves with an extra home game if they have a chance to get it. And then also, like, they're coming into the playoffs kind of backdooring here where, like, they've lost Godwin. Evans isn't at 100%. They've lost Fournette. They just lost Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown goes on Bob Mennery's podcast and starts talking all this crazy stuff, like basically saying that he was the best uh, offensive player outside of Brady on the team. And I think that Brady comes out. It's like a prove-it week for Brady. It's like, you know what? I don't care that I'm down these guys. I'm going to go to the guys that I trust the most, and that's absolutely going to be Gronkowski, and it's going to be Mike Evans. And you saw what happened last week when Antonio Brown left. Even in a game, you know, the Jet, the, the Bucks were obviously trailing in this game, but Gronkowski, 10 targets, 7 catches, 115 yards. When you look at what he's done, you know, just throughout the course of the season, like when they need to rely on Gronkowski, he's been there. He has multiple games of over 100 yards. He's had 10 or more targets in two out of three, nine or more targets in, I believe, five out of six. So I believe that the Bucs are going to go to Gronkowski here and help him to get at least one of those incentives. And the fact that he needs 85 yards for 500K, but we can bet him at 65 and a half. I'm more than happy. I'm more than happy to target that prop right now. I believe the reception prop will come out at like five and a half juiced over 
or six and a half, maybe with a little plus money, close to even money. Cause usually he doesn't get lined that high with the receptions, but maybe because all the cluster injuries around him, uh, maybe they just don't give that prop out or maybe that prop comes out at six and a half. Uh, I would probably rather take the yardage because we have about a 20 yard uh, cushion there in terms of the prop line versus the actual incentive uh, yard marker he needs to reach. So that's where I'm out for Gronkowski. Uh, he also needs three touchdowns for another third $500,000 bonus, but I'm not playing the multi-touchdown, uh, three-touchdown Gronk game, although wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised to see all three happen, to be honest, but that's where I'm at. I'm going to attack Gronk's receiving yards for this game. Sounds like a sleepy prop, three TDs. I won't be on that one. <laughs> 500,000, though, that'd be a pretty nice paycheck, you know, to get three touchdowns. Let's jump over to New England and Miami. Miami, they'll be at home here. Uh, my, is Miami minus six and a half here, Chris, or is New England minus six and a half? It's got to be New England uh, minus six and a half. Yeah, I think we, I think I had that, uh, might have had the wrong side on that. Yeah, it's New England minus six and a half. Yeah, because they're, 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 Patriots are a full go. They're, they're all out to win this week. Yeah, I know if they win this game and the Bills lose, then they get the number one seed. So, or not the number one seed, they win the, the AFC. So the Patriots do have incentive, uh, to go ahead and win this game. I would probably tease them with Tampa. That would be kind of what I do. Um, and if I didn't want to use Tampa, I would probably go ahead and use, more than likely, it would probably be the Colts. I don't have any props or anything really in that game. Um, again, my, my action is limited when it comes to these games, even on Friday night. Like I'm waiting until Sunday really to figure out you know, kind of who's playing and, and what every situation is. Still got work to do all the way up till kickoff. So teasing New England, that would be about all I do for that game. Yeah, I haven't really looked at this game much because we don't have any of those incentives or milestones here, and the props, like you said, are pretty limited right now. But um, I, I would, I would probably strongly lean towards Tua under passing. I mean, the, the Patriots' secondary has been elite this year, all year long. No matter, no matter what metric you look at, uh, they have been beatable on the ground, and their pass rush hasn't been all that great. But their coverage, their pass defense as a whole, has been absolutely top notch, and. Uh, it's going to be really hard pressed for me to see the Dolphins doing much with Tua's conservative attack under center. I think they're going to try to take away Waddle. Uh, even Parker getting a lot of targets last week. He's going to be lined up most likely with J.C. Jackson. So I can only look unders for the Dolphins here. I think the Patriots defense shows up in a big way. All right, let's trip over to Seattle and Arizona. Arizona will be minus six, total 48. Uh, I know A.J. Green has some props that um, – that we can go ahead and attack. I think it was like 75 yards for 250K, 10 catches. There's no way I would play him at 10 catches for 250K, but there are some incentives for him. Uh, I know Rondell Moore will actually be out for this game. So, look, you know, maybe maybe AJ does get a, a lot of targets. You know, the Cardinals can still get the number two seed here, you know, if they get a win and the Rams actually lose. Um, but both of those teams are playing at the same time. So, both those teams will have motivation, so I, I don't I don't see the Cardinals sitting anybody in this game. I would lean in that direction. I can't trust Seattle at all, but I think the only thing that really gives me caution, and look, I know Russell Wilson had said, like, yeah, I want to remain with this team. I don't think he wants any part of Seattle anymore, but if, if Seattle's looking to get something out of him, like, you know, in a trade or, or however, you know, that all might shake out, they might let him go throw the ball 50 times in this particular game. So who knows? You know, it's it's just I'm just going through, you know, what I'm thinking about for this particular game. But Arizona would be the way I go. I would also consider going ahead and teasing that team as well. Uh, as far as the props are concerned, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and talk about those. 
Yeah, well, the two props I like are, are in accordance with the milestones and incentives we've been discussing all podcasts is that A.J. Green needs 75 yards for 250K. Uh, you know, his prop line is right around 53 and a half. Uh, I do like the over on that just because, again, like Hopkins is out, you know, Rondell Moore is out, and they're they're facing a pass funnel secondary. Seattle's run defense has been really good as of late, one of the top run defensive grades on PFF in, in, in the entire league right now. So I think the, the Cardinals, especially, they, they have no Chase Edmonds. He's a pass-catching back, which means more targets will be funneled to the like of Kirk, Ertz, Green, etc. Uh, James Connors, if he is if he at best right now, I believe. So they could be down to their third, four-string running backs for this game. I think this could be a really pass-heavy game script, no matter how you slice it for the Cardinals. I believe like, I agree with what you said with the with the Seahawks being you know, hey hey let's let's win one here to close out the season on a positive note for Pete Carroll for Russell Wilson and for everyone else involved um, and then also Christian Kirk uh, Christian Kirk needs sixty one yards for a thousand yards on the season and you can get him at fifty five and a half right now I'm I'm just gonna put a unit on each of those guys AJ Green and Christian Kirk I mean Kyler Murray's passing prop line is gonna be in the high two hundreds like maybe even closer to three hundred than most weeks. So, you know, if you're going to tell me here that Kyler Murray has a chance to throw for 300 yards against a pass funnel defense with no running backs, you know, I'm going to say yes on that. But you know what? The top two receivers without a doubt are A.J. Green and Christian Kirk, and they're both lined at 55 or less. So I'm just going to take the over on both, being that Kirk needs 61 to get to 1,000. Green needs 75 to get his 250K bonus. Uh, I like both. Even, even in a regular game with no incentives at stake, I still would lean strongly to the over on both these here for usage factors alone and for matchup factors alone. So I really like those two out of anybody in this game. Uh, and then on the other side, like DK Metcalf, he does need 91 yards to get to a thousand himself. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him do it. Although, you know, he's, even though he scored three touchdowns last week, he's really struggled to like have any type of real consistent type of chemistry with Russell Wilson. So I'm not going to, not going to bet the Metcalf one, but I definitely will be attacking this game. Uh, in terms of DFS with some stacks on both sides of the ball. All right, it's all stuff on that game. Let's jump over to final game here. We got the Chargers and we have the Raiders. So, guys, this is pretty much a playoff game. I mean, the winner of this one's going to make the playoffs. Uh, right now the Raiders are plus three. We have a total of 49. Chris, I'll let you rip and run on this one first. What do you think about for that game? Well, what's interesting here is that yeah, you look at the last four weeks, uh, pass rate over expectation, which is the metric we like to look at, is both these teams are top 10. Uh, LA's number five in pass rate over expectation, meaning in like neutral game scripts, neutral situations, they're throwing the ball uh, top five in the league compared to the rest of the teams on average. Las Vegas, surprisingly, is number nine overall in pass rate over expectation over the last four weeks. We like to use the last four weeks as opposed to the whole season to see what are teams doing as of late with a decent enough sample size of the last month in particular. Uh, another note here is that uh, this is the fifth highest game in terms of what these teams average in combined plays per game. So two pass-happy teams as of late. Uh, they're both running a ton of plays per game, which obviously fits to the way they're throwing the ball. So I actually think we could be in for like a sneaky type of shootout here, which I believe is why the, the line is close to 50 on the total here. Sitting at 49, you would think in a, in a must-win game, two division rivals playoff stakes on the line that the defenses are going to show up here, but the chargers defense has been really bad. I mean, I know they held Denver to 13 points, but that was with a banged up drew lock under center. So I could see both of these quarterbacks having really good, really good games here. And this being more of an offensive back and forth. So that's where I lean right now in terms of how I see things most likely playing out. 
no props for me personally in this game so far. Although I will say that you look at a guy like Zay Jones, he has a 25% plus target share in three straight games. He's really emerged, had a lot of talent young, uh, you know, earlier in his career, kind of fizzled out. He se- it seems like he's getting a second run to show what he can do in the NFL. Um, I do like Josh Jacobs just because teams have been able to run all over the Chargers for most of the year as well. Uh, Josh Jacobs does need two touchdowns uh, rushing to get to 10 on the year. I don't know if that really plays a factor here, but it is an interesting thing to note because you can get him just to score one touchdown, I believe, around even money. Uh, if, if anyone's going to score, it's going to be against a run funnel Chargers defense, and Jacobs has been getting a really big workload as of late over the last few months. So uh, no props for me officially here, but those are just some of the things I'm looking at. Probably we'll dive more into this game as we get closer to sun, Sunday as I'm more focused on the main slate right now, but we'll have DFS top plays out for our subscribers for this showdown slate, and, and it should be a fun one for sure. All right, solid stuff there from Chris. Big thanks to him. He went through and he did a lot of work this week, guys. So uh, if you guys are wondering about, you know, any of the things that you didn't hear on this one, um, you know, just go to Chris's Twitter, at Matt Journalist, get get a hold of the sheet that he has. Uh, he has a, just a ton of information here that's going to help you guys out, but it's going to answer a lot of questions. I mean, we touched on what, Chris, maybe 15 20% of what's on this sheet here in front of us. I mean, we could talk for three, four hours, so – if you guys have any questions, again, go to Chris's Twitter. Uh, that sheet's there. You guys can look at it and you can say, okay, cool. I see what these guys are all looking at. But once you see the work that's involved here, then you're going to understand why Chris has won this entire season when it comes to player props. Like the work is being done and the results are there. And this is a really good week. In my opinion, I wish every week was week 18. I would follow Chris without a doubt, um, just blindly, just you know, betting his stuff because – we have home run props this week. So make sure you guys go ahead and do that. You know where to find me on Twitter at sleepyg underscore pregame. You guys get us at the Uh We'll probably have some NBA stuff coming up here, but Chris and I, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, the last couple of weeks were just so screwy, but once the playoffs come around, we'll have our money picks pot again for that. We'll do a, a, you know, a little bit of a deeper dive. We can, you know, get through the sheet as much as possible. And not only do we, you know, will we hit the props, but we'll also hit, you know, the games in an in-depth type of manner. Maybe we'll even get, you know, Uncle Dave or somebody to jump on the podcast with us as well. So, or Steve as well, because he's, you know, he's digging, digging and diving too. So with that said, hopefully you guys have a good week 18. You know where to get us on Twitter, sleep with underscore pregame at Mad Journalist and at the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck in NFL week number 18. Enjoy the games.